If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 504. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. This is B-R-I-O-N. McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Got a lot of great courses out. I'm running a sale right now. This is September 1st. The sale is still ongoing. If you're on my email list on either one, McClanahan Academies or Brian McClanahan, you know about it. It runs through Labor Day. So this is it. We're running the sale now for about a month. It's going to end, though. This will be the last time you're going to get it. So make sure you get on those email lists so you can get those coupons. You keep this show free of charge by doing that. Also, click on that support tab. Click on the shop tab. Go to Learn True History. Lots of great ways to support the show. As always, though, share it around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. And this is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode in some ways. I want to talk about China, and I want to talk about what China is doing. This is a piece from July. I meant to get to it about a month ago, and I just never did. But it comes from Politico, July 19th. The, the headline is, China is buying up American farms. Washington wants to crack down. Bipartisan pressure is building to stop foreign nationals from purchasing American farm operations and receiving taxpayer subsidies. Well, this is common sense. The subsidies part is, is a major problem, but We've had farm subsidies now for over 100 years. And what's interesting about farm subsidies, the farm subsidy movement came out of the South. It came out of the South because after the war, after Reconstruction, you had the South being abused by Northern industrial interests. It became a colony of the North. And you had Southerners going out and just everybody planted cotton. And when everybody planted cotton, the price of cotton tanked. And it wore out the land, and it caused all kinds of problems. In fact, a nice environmental example of that is Providence Canyon, which is in near Lumpkin, Georgia. It's this huge canyon. It's called the Little Grand Canyon. If you're ever in that part of the state, kind of middle Georgia, middle east, middle, middle western Georgia, I'm sorry, uh, go to Lumpkin or the Lumpkin area, and you'll see Providence Canyon. And it was caused by erosion. It's this huge canyon caused by erosion. The farmers in the area just kept planting cotton, wearing it out, the soil got bad, and the rain just went washed down. It washed everything out. Huge canyon there. And um, it's amazing. So it wasn't a river or a creek. It's actually dry at the bottom. And they you can take hikes down in it and stuff and do some things there. But um, that was caused by over-farming. So farm subsidies came because Prices were bad. People had farmed. I mean, things were just bad. So Southerners wanted the government, the general government, to come in and pay farmers either not to produce certain crops or pay them more to produce other crops. And farmers got addicted to the cash just like anybody else. 
In fact, back in the uh, 90s, there was a, a push against these things, and a lot of farmers rebelled because this is how they made income. They were making income because they weren't producing cows for a dairy farm, because they weren't doing certain things. The subsidies helped them survive. The family farm is, is dying in America because of industrial farming and other things. It's, I mean, scale of production. The family farm is gone. And I think in some ways as I go through this, and I, and I was trying to organize my thoughts around this, a couple of things I want to talk about. One is what the agrarian, the, the, the Tennessee Nashville agrarians or the Menorud I Take My Stand said. And then the other is China, what China is actually doing around the world. This is not just in the United States. China has a lot of cash, a lot of dollars because of all the money we, we borrow from them. So they've got a lot of dollars and they can't do anything but really invested in real estate. So what they're doing is buying up everything, not just here in the United States. You go look at Africa. You think it's bad here in the United States. Look at Africa. And what are they buying up in Africa? They're buying up resources like cobalt, precious metals. They're buying up natural resources around the globe, and they're buying up strategic areas because of access. China essentially is going to dominate the world, not by military power, but because they're going to buy it all. And then what do you do? They're buying up strategic resources and strategic materials in record numbers. And they're... I mean, they're buying our water. They pollute all their water, so they take our water. They're buying up our farmland because it's good, so they have access to our farms. And so they're going to hire Americans or maybe send Chinese over here, whatever it is, to go work on these farms for their own food production. This is food security for China. It's water security for China. It's military security for China. There's only a finite amount of cobalt in the world. China's bought up a lot of it. What does that mean? All you lefties riding around your battery-operated cars, it requires cobalt. And of course, cobalt is produced with slave labor, essentially. So all the hypocrites in the, in the left. But there, you, you won't have your battery-powered cars once the United States says, oh yeah, everybody's got to drive a battery-powered car. No gasoline cars on the planet. No gasoline cars. China will probably still have them even though most of their cars are built by Americans. But I'm sure they'll get into their own thing. But all these battery-powered cars require cobalt. And if the Chinese control the cobalt industry, well, they control transportation in America. This is absolutely stupid what we're doing. There's no security in any of this. There's no security. You look, you look around the United States and you look at the amount of homeless people. Just, I mean... The videos, homeless people in San Francisco, homeless people in Los Angeles, homeless people in New York, homeless people in major metropolitan areas. Heck, near where I live, you go downtown to the city there and there's homeless people everywhere, everywhere. Well, the agrarian said part of that, I mean, it's a natural outgrowth of, an, of urbanism. As you put more and more people in the cities and suburban areas, you have more and more people that lose farms. There's no independence. And of course, then you get things, addiction problems and other issues. But certainly, these people have nowhere to go live except in 
an urban area in their own mind. Well, if they had a farm and they had to take care of it, and that's how they survived. I mean, the, the idea was, this is uh, in the mid-20th century, this idea of distributism, you know, where you would have land that wasn't being used distributed back to people, and then you say, here's your job. You are here to survive on your land. Go to it. You have to have, I mean, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's, <laughs> that's what the pilgrims went through. No work, no eat, right? I'm sorry. Uh, not the, well, the pilgrims did it too, but also uh, John Smith there in Jamestown. No work, no eat. That was how Smith saved Jamestown. Pilgrims did it too with Bradford. You're going to have your own land here. If you don't work on it, you don't have enough. Well, you don't eat. That was the idea. But the other part, of course, is security for the United States. Let me get into this. And, of course, the left's response is predictable. Okay, the left response is predictable. Even though there's some on the left who are also on board with this saying, yeah, this may not be a very good idea to have foreign powers, foreign entities come in and buy up all of our farmland, and then we don't have our own farmland. We don't have our own products that's grown in our own soil. The Soviet Union had this problem. They were buying our our grains. I mean, so we controlled the food supply. The push to drain China's influence from the U.S. economy has reached America's farm country, as congressional lawmakers from both parties are looking at measures to crack down on foreign purchases of prime agricultural real estate. House lawmakers recently advanced legislation to that effect, warning that China's presence in the American food system poses a national security risk. And key Senate lawmakers have already shown interest in efforts to keep America farms, American farms in American hands. The debate over farm ownership comes amid broader efforts by Congress and the Biden administration to curb the nation's economic reliance on China, especially in key industries like food, semiconductors, and minerals deemed crucial to the supply chain. Okay, that's good. What are you going to do? Are, you, are the United States going to buy up Africa? Is the United States going to continue to get into the imperial business, but in a different way, economic imperialism, what we've been doing for since the dollar diplomacy days of the late 19th century. That's what we've been doing. The call for tighter limits on who owns America's farms has come from a wide range of political leaders, from former Vice President Mike Pence to Senator Elizabeth Warren, after gaining momentum seated in farm states. America cannot allow China to control our food supply, Pence said Wednesday during a speech at the Conservative Heritage Foundation, urging President Joe Biden and Congress to end all farm subsidies for land owned by foreign nationals. Well, that would be a good idea. That'd be a really good idea. Let's not pay foreign nationals American dollars because they bought up farmland here and they own it. Now, this gets into a question of property as well. I own a piece of land. I want to sell it. Should I have the right to sell it to whoever I want to sell it to? Restrictions? I mean, should there be any restrictions on who I decide or to sell? Or, I mean, the United States plays both sides of the fence here because we'll say, well, you, you can't not sell it to these people because of these criteria. So this gets into an issue then of race, right? Or things. So can you, do you have full control over how you can sell your land? And this is brought up in this particular article. I, I, I kid you not, it's brought up here. 
from the left, from the from the the woke progressive left. I mean, Warren is also woke, but she also has a rural background. I mean, she was from Massachusetts, but she did grow up in Oklahoma on an Indian tribe there, according to Elizabeth Warren. But um, she did grow up in Oklahoma, so she has this rural background to her, which, look, Elizabeth Warren is weird and awkward, but there is an authenticity about her in some ways that you could see more than, say, Kamala Harris, right? I mean, Warren is strange, and the stuff that she does where she tries to show, hey, look at that in my house. Here's my husband. How did he get into my house? I mean, he's here in my kitchen just hanging out while I'm on this video. Would you like to have a drink with me? And, oh, here's my dog. How did this dog get in my kitchen? I mean, it's amazing. I have a house in America with a dog and a husband, and we're going to have a drink together. Wow, oh my gosh, this is just coincidence. Isn't that just cute? It's just coincidence that all these things are here while I'm on video trying to run for office. <laughs> I mean, she that's the inauthentic part of Elizabeth Warren. But her family, her roots are authentic. They're authentic, authentically American, without any question here. She's very American, and she does do some things at times. I think, it, you know, Warren um, is interesting in that. I think her progressivism is more genuine than some others. Uh, but that said, that's the only nice things I'll ever say about Elizabeth Warren. Uh, we need to not have this. But I mean, again, so should we be in a situation where you, you're told you can't settle certain people? Is that legal to say? I, I mean, if we're going to say that, that this is okay, that we, we, you, you cannot sell these people. Well, does that not violate your own, your own rules and regulations? So should the government have any role in who I can sell property to or not? If I have a, a baseball team, for example, that I want to sell, could you put restrictions on, you know, whether well, only Americans can buy that? Is that even legal for them to do it? Or if I want to sell a house and I don't want to sell this person, but I want to sell to this person, should I be able to do that? It's my house. I should be able to sell whoever I want to sell it to. But when the general government steps in and says, well, you have to, you can't not sell it to these people because of these criteria, and you can't not sell it to these. You can't sell it to these people because of this criteria. It's two sides of the same coin. It's what they're doing. Chinese firms have expanded their presence in American agriculture over the last decade by snapping up farmland and purchasing major agribusinesses like pork processing giant Smithfield Foods. I mean, that is a problem. Should the Chinese have been allowed to purchase a major meat processing organization in the United States? But then again, foreigners have often controlled. American businesses. I mean, look, even we go back to what happened with Woke Coke, right? Woke Coke. Who is running Coke? Well, a foreigner. This is part of the problem when it gets to, I mean, wokeness. You've got a lot of people who are foreigners who have no ties to traditional America now trying to determine what American policy is. You're seeing it in Europe. You're seeing it here in the United States. That tradition is gone. And it's all happening because of immigration, essentially. I mean, that's, that's the whole key. By the start of 2020, Chinese owners controlled about 192,000 agricultural acres in the United States, worth $1.9 billion, according, including land use for farming, ranching, and forestry, according to the Agriculture Department. 
192,000 agriculture acres. That was in 2020. Still, that's less farmland owned by people from other nations like Canada and European countries, which account for millions of acres each. It's also a small percentage of the nearly 900 million acres of total American farmland. So, I mean, because we have 900 million acres of American farmland, this we're just blowing this out of proportion. Look, the Chinese own less than 200,000 acres out of 900 million acres. So what are we whining about? And, of course, the uh, European countries who we don't care if they own the land. I mean, the Dutch, the British, the French. I mean, who cares if these people? Canada, Canada owns farmland. Who cares if those people own farmland in the United States? Because the insinuation here is that, well, they're white. And, of course, the Chinese are not. So we're going to be critical of the Chinese. And this is brought up. Okay, I'll get to it. But it's the trend of increasing purchases and the buyer's potential connections to the Chinese government that have lawmakers spooked. USDA reported in 2018 that China's agricultural investments in other nations had grown more than tenfold since 2009. Yes, this is what they're doing. The Communist Party has actively supported investments in foreign agriculture as part of its One Belt, One Road economic development plans aiming to control a greater piece of China's food supply chain. Yes, this is what they're trying to do. It's not just food, it's other strategic and natural resources. The current trend in the U.S. is leading us toward the creation of a Chinese-owned agricultural land monopoly, Representative Dan Newhouse warned during a recent House Appropriations hearing. The committee unexpectedly adopted Newhouse's amendment to the Agricultural FDA spending bill that would block any new agricultural purchases by companies that are wholly or partly controlled by the Chinese government and bar Chinese-owned farms from tapping federal support programs. The move, that move followed a contentious debate over the potential consequences for Asian Americans if Congress adopted a provision aimed squarely at China. Representative Grace Meng said that if the amendment was about national security, buyers from other countries should also face similar restrictions. It would perpetuate already rising anti-Asian hate, Meng warned at the markup. It's going to be about hate if we just say this is about China. Well, actually, I agree with Representative Meng of New York. We should then protect American farms from foreign investment and other places as well. I mean, this is our land. If that's if we're going to be a nationalist, let's go all the way and say you can't, if you're a foreigner, you can't buy any of this stuff. Heck, if you're a foreigner, you're not an American citizen, you can't get any American subsidies. That'd be a really good idea. If you're not a legal American citizen, <laughs> you don't get any federal subsidies at all. No education, no health care, no money. Can't send your kids to school here. You can't go to the doctor here. You can't do any of that. Nothing. Not with subsidies from the government. Now, if you want to pay, if you're a not a legal American citizen, you got money and you want to come to the United States and get an elective procedure done in a hospital because it's the best or a, or a necessary treatment in a hospital because it's the best and you want to pay for it out of pocket, well, hey, that's your business then. But if you're going to do it on the backs of the American taxpayers, let's just say, let's have a bill that's all about that. If you are illegally here, if you're not a legal citizen and you want taxpayer dollars to do any of these things, you can't do it. If you're a foreigner, you want to send your kids to school here, then you got to pay to put them in private school. Well, nobody's saying you can't do that as long as you get a visa, an educational visa or something else. That's fine. 
but we're not allowing foreigners, illegal people, we're going to say the term illegal, we're not allowing these people in the United States illegally to get any government resources. That would be an amazing thing. I mean, it's almost like Grace Meng stumbled into a real problem in America. Hmm. But she doesn't even, I mean, they don't even get the stupidity in all of this. The hypocrisy. But Meng, Newhouse, and committee leaders indicated they would find a solution as the legislation winds through Congress. The measure is expected to reach the House floor before the end of July as part of a broader appropriations package, although the Senate has not yet drafted its own version of the spending bill. We're in for, we, are in, we are new in this process, said Representative Sanford Bishop of Georgia, chair of the Agricultural Appropriations Subcommittee. I would suggest that we sit down and work through it so we can accomplish our objective, but do it in a way that is sensitive to all those who might be somewhat offended by the approach. <laughs> you can't make this up. Well, we have to come up with a way to do this for all those who might be somewhat, might be somewhat offended. Think about the waffling in that statement. Might be somewhat offended. Scrutiny of foreign-owned agricultural operations and receiving taxpayer subsidies has also been rising in recent years. After meatpacking conglomerates like the U.S. subsidiary of Brazilian-owned JBS received millions of dollars under the Trump administration's trade bailout starting in 2018. Smithfield was also in line to receive money for the program, which was created to help U.S. farmers stung by trade retaliation from China and other competitors. But the company backed out of its contract with the USDA after an outcry from lawmakers led by Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. The renewed focus on curbing foreign farm purchases comes as Biden Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack roll out a series of actions to bolster the food supply chain following major disruptions caused by the pandemic. That effort includes greater secure, scrutiny I'm sorry, of large meat processing companies like JBS and Smithfield, as well as plans to tighten the requirements for meat to be labeled a product of the USA. This is interesting. I mean, we're going, you know, hard, hard, rah, rah, USA for our food, which, look, I understand. I mean, you go to the store and you look at, you go to the seafood market, for example. If you don't live near the coast, you're getting seafood that's primarily packaged in foreign places. Um, and that's a little concerning. Uh, but on the other hand, we, we, want, we want cheap food. And if we want to get seafood, we want to get salmon, for example, and it's farm-raised in China or Vietnam, and this is just what we're doing, well, I mean, that food is going to be cheaper, even shipped and frozen, packaged somewhere else and then shipped over, then might, we might pay for American food. So we have, the, we have this balance of you know the best price for things, also with meeting the needs of standards, of uh, edibility, of safety for food. While lawmakers remain lesser focused on Chinese buyers, other nationals own much more agricultural property in the United States. Foreign investors by the end of 2019 held an interest in more than 35 million acres, an area bigger than the state of New York. The total had grown by an average uh, 2.3 million acres per year since 2015. Well, I mean, this is a problem. A few states, including top agricultural centers like Iowa and Minnesota, have already, already have varying restrictions on foreign ownership of their farmland. As a presidential candidate in 2019, Warren said she would support a national version of Iowa's law, along with safeguards against foreign investors using fake American buyers to circumvent the rules. I mean, this is, this is actually something good, right? I mean, if we want to say, let's protect America's food supply, let's also have a situation where we get small farms back. I mean, that's also important, too. I have a, I have a 
friend, colleague who's uh, very invested, very interested in farming. And um, it's his job. And, of course, he says, you know, if the people just get out of the way and let us farm, it would be okay. Those seeking more restrictions on, say, USDA's numbers actually understate the amount of foreign-controlled over America ag, American ag operations. The data is based on a 1978 law directing foreign nationals to report their U.S. agricultural holdings to USDA, a requirement that can be difficult for the department to enforce. For example, foreign investors can set up limited liability companies in the United States and designate an American owner to circumvent the reporting requirements while still controlling the operation behind the scenes, said Joe Maxwell, president of the progressive advocacy group Family Farm Action. It's a massive undertaking to verify who really owns the land, Maxwell said. These foreign investors are pretty smart. They use different business structures to further conceal it. Well, of course, they use shell companies and other things to try to hide what they're doing. This is something that happens all the time in the United States. While some states have strict laws in place, others are more open to foreign investments. Texas has the largest amount of foreign-held agricultural land at four and a half, almost 4.5 million acres, followed by Maine and Alabama, according to USDA. Now, this is interesting. Texas and Alabama, this gets back into the South. Is the South really so concerned about itself, or is it more concerned about internationalism at times? And I think the South is always concerned about its image since the 1960s, more 1970s into the 80s. It's concerned about its image in the world. And what's interesting about that, back when Robert Bentley was governor of Alabama, and you have, you have a, a beautiful Confederate monument in Montgomery that had four flags around it, the four flags of the Confederacy, essentially, around the monument. It's a soldier's monument on the Capitol grounds because so many Alabamians, of course, fought in that war. It was the capital of the Confederacy for a time. So you have this monument to it there that is logical. And uh, Bentley, because of pressure from foreign companies, or at least from from companies, some of which have foreign interests, was pressured to take those flags down or they weren't going to come and invest in Alabama. Now you think about that. Bentley should have said, fine, don't come invest in Alabama. But of course, to Bentley, it was more important to have foreign capital set up in the state than to protect Alabama. In his mind, he is protecting Alabama because he's providing jobs, and it doesn't really matter those flags don't mean anything to Bentley. He was more interested in his mistress. It doesn't mean anything to Bentley. Uh, but at the end of the day, and I think there was some blackmail going on there too, which eventually all came out. At the end of the day, though, the South has long had a problem in the last, say, 40 years of defending itself. The farm issue is one thing, uh, clearly, in Texas and Alabama. Now, Maine, of course... Uh, Maine probably has a lot of Canadian investment. I would I would venture to guess. I don't know if it's if it's other foreign entities, but I'm almost certain here in the South, it's it's not going to be Canadians in the South. It's going to be other 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 entities are investing here in the South. Uh, and this is a problem. And uh, the last couple of paragraphs: the money flowing into agricultural real estate from other countries also makes it difficult for new farmers in the U.S. to afford land. As outside buyers build up prices, bid up prices, Maxwell said that poses a big risk when an older generation of farmers set to exit the industry. This is true. What are we going to do with American small farms? When the land cha- when this land changes hands, they're going to gobble it up. He said of foreign buyers, 
These investments artificially increase the value of that land, which then denies young and beginning farmers opportunities to farm. So this is a really interesting piece, and, and uh, I haven't followed up to see what was in the bill. We've just had this thing go through, but how much of this restate, how, how, how much of this are retained in the bill? What came out of it? Are we going to really crack down on foreign investors in American farms? Uh, what about foreign investors in American businesses and industry and other things? I mean, are we going to do this? Are we really going to have economic security in the United States? Are we going to let, I mean, or we looked at federalism in this. You've got states like Iowa and Minnesota said you can't do it here. The states could lead the way in this. It doesn't always have to be a national response. It could be the states. We, we always look at this as a national response. What about states doing it? What about trying to work from the bottom up? These people in these farming states saying, you know what? We got to have, we got to crack down on this stuff. Of course, then there's money involved. I've got a farm to sell. I'm an old guy. I don't, I mean, I can't, I'm just going to take the highest bidder. I don't care. I just want my money. I don't care if it's an Alabamian or a, or uh, somebody from China, or somebody from uh, from Europe or Canada. I don't care. Germany, who cares? I just want the highest bidder. Well, you can understand that standpoint. So, what are we going to do with all of that? I mean, this is these are some pretty hard questions we're having to answer uh, in the 21st century as we've gotten more globalism. This is why I say think locally, act locally. This is a think locally, act locally episode. Because that is a big issue. You've got to start working at the local to ensure all this stuff is protected and that tradition matters and, and farms matter. And Again, a lot of this gets into some other issues, economic issues. I understand farming is not easy, 100%. But how can we do these things to keep food security in the United States? Work from the bottom up. In these farming communities, make sure you have legislation in place if you want it to help promote generational farming, and also to help promote uh, local farming. Support your local farmers. Go to the farm markets. Do things like that to help people that are in need, farmers, local farmers, small farmers in particular that are in need. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time on the next one. See you then.